Suncast is brought to you by SunGrow, providing clean power for all. Suncast is also brought to you by Trina Solar. Hey there, Solar Warriors. I'm Nico Johnson, and this is Suncast. Each week, I pull back the veil on the life and business insights of clean tech entrepreneurs building the most noble and impactful companies of our time. I hope what you learn from this conversation is a catalyst for your own growth. So thanks for tuning in and welcome to our tribe. Hey, ho, Solar Warrior. Welcome back to a new week here on Suncast. This is a Tactical Tuesday, short form conversations with subject matter experts designed to give you practical tools, tips, and advice for accelerating your clean energy career and grow with us here on Suncast. If Thursdays are for thoughtful insight into the who's who of the industry, consider this the what and how, the when and why, the tools of the trade, if you will. Thank you so much for lending your ears and the only non-renewable resource you've got. That is your time, and I dare say, your attention. And today, as we recently did with Isha Rege, we're going to do a career profile. And this time, we'll be looking at the role of business development in energy sales, particularly the world of solar PPAs. My guest is Miguel Gilmast, and he's been in the development game since 2014. But really, Miguel began to unlock his career around 2018 when he first started selling PV energy as a service. In our conversation, we'll discuss his journey to being part of the sales engine at the largest PPA consultancy in the world, none other than Schneider Electric. And if that's surprising to you, Well, it was to me too. We discussed it a bit in the interview. Miguel sure has learned a lot about helping retail energy buyers determine how to add solar energy to their portfolios. So I hope you'll stick around and see if this story can help you build upon yours. If you do like what you hear on this conversation, I hope you'll subscribe to the podcast because that's how you'll get access to all the other conversations we post here twice a week, just like this one. We've got nearly 485 such founder stories, career profiles, and startup advice over at mysuncast.com. Hope you'll check that out as well. But for now, let's get ready to tune up your skills, Solar Warrior, in today's Tactical Tuesday here on Suncast. All right, Solar Warriors, today we have a chance to chat with a friend of mine from across the pond, but someone who has deep amount of experience at something I'm sure you are very interested in doing yourself in your career, if not now or uh, some sometime in the future, you're going to interact with a prospect, a client, someone who is deep in the in the decision making process around how to procure renewable energy. So we are going to have sort of a duality focus on this conversation. On the one hand, what it actually means to be a sales manager in a renewable energy company, uh, what that career path looks like, and on the other hand, what my friend Miguel Gilmast has learned along the way that can give us insight into how to interact with these kinds of clients. Before we get too deep down the rabbit hole of explanation, let me welcome my friend Miguel to the show. Good to see you, friend. Hey, man. How's it going? Good to be here. It's going great. I appreciate the uh, extra effort given the time difference. And so we will be as efficient and effective as possible. You know, you and I often talk about things as far afield as how to get better results on LinkedIn posts. So maybe we'll even bring some of that into this conversation as well. But I think that 
the service that we can provide for most of the folks that are listening today is, as I described, perhaps threefold as well, like working with folks around the world in a global sort of pan-continent, multicultural collective that is Schneider Electric, one of the largest corporations in the world. Your path to sales manager is at the same time typical and atypical. And so I'd love for you to give us a sense of how you came to be a customer-facing sales manager when you are, as I understand it, by, by training an engineer. Without going on too much of a tangent, I basically, I did go to university for a degree, which at the time was called renewable energy science, not yet quite engineering. And I think it was one of the first degrees in the UK that specialized specifically on renewable energy. And then during that course, it became not a bachelor, but a master's. And it was a master's of engineering because it became more and more technical. And so it finished off as an engineering degree. However, in the process of working there, there was a sort of, I think it's a mandatory requirement, semi-mandatory, strongly recommended um, that during your summer breaks from more traditional university aspects, you go out and work in the real world, so to say. And so some people went into working at like local, very technical companies, and others went to larger multinationals and so on. Um, I went to some placements within the German Gesellschaft für internationale Zusammenarbeit. Yeah, which is sort of, <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, which is, uh, yeah, foreign aid, basically. And that was a sort of technical role. Um, however, the task I was given when I was there, and this was out in, in Amman in Jordan, was, okay, we've got this technology, which I think was from the TU in Berlin, uh, to do absorption cooling. So using solar thermal energy to create cold water, I think, testing me here. But we don't want to meet it like we're going to send a Porsche over there and then that's it. We want it to make sense in the future that the local stakeholders that were kind of training up on on the process of implementing this solar thermal cooling um, device in hotels and, and uh, chamber of commerce, um, that they feel that it makes sense in the future. And for that, obviously, there needs to be a business case. So that was the beginning of a series of events that led me to focus my entire degree, which was very technical and engineering heavy, into a business case kind of direction. And it really started what I think to this day is still my philosophy to say, sustainability is fantastic, renewable energy is great, there's great tech out there, and there's a lot of things going on. But if we really want to make a difference, we need to convince the people that don't care about any of that stuff that there's a business case. And I think that's probably the seed of the salesy side of things is I love the sustainability uh, point and that's my heart and that's the background, but I need to convince people who are inherently skeptical of the whole thing that there's other reasons why they should do that. And so as I then continued in the subsequent internships and my degree itself, I was specializing always in that sort of financial engineering side to present the numbers in a way where people that are on the procurement side see that and say, okay, that makes sense to me, even if I don't really care about renewables. So I think it's that sort of sweet spot there. You mentioned financial engineering. What would you say are the the two or three core skills that in your current job at Schneider are fundamental to, I'll say, how you get paid, the, the value you bring to both the cl- customers and the corporation? Yeah. Okay. Three things. Um, I think communication, both internally, 
there's a lot of people, like you said, at Schneider, and there's a lot of people that have different scopes which overlap or connect or hand over to each other. And the ability to talk with them, work with them, understand they've got their piece that they need to do before you come in and try and do your thing, that's crucial. And then also our business in that PPA advisory space is fundamentally global. So every market where corporate PPAs can be signed, we have boots on the ground and experts there that we all need to coordinate with. Because a lot of my clients have that same footprint. They're all over the world in a number of different continents. And so being able to say, look, you've got operations in Europe, Mexico, USA, and Singapore. You need to try and decarbonize your operations globally because you've got a global target to hit by 2025. You need to have the same quality of support, which is totally coordinated across all those different regions. So the ability to sort of pick up the phone and talk to Brazil or talk to Colorado or talk to France, uh, talk to Australia and say, look, this is what we're doing. We're coordinating this global approach. We need to get this done in this way for that fundamentally communication. And so the same goes for the external side um, with a client. One of the things when I was in high school in New Jersey that I thought I would go into was teaching. So I had this sort of thing that maybe I should be a math teacher or like go like be a, a college professor or something like that, because I like explaining things in easy ways, you know, and I always thought whatever I'm being taught, half the time I felt like that could have been explained so much easier and it didn't need to be that complicated. You just need to use normal words for it, you know, and, and get people excited about that learning process. The kick I get out of my job is that ability to apply that passion for teaching in a way which also helps companies decarbonize and helps mm -hmm. me, you know, have a job. So yeah, I, you know, I talk companies through a lot of different things that they've never had to think about. Um, and I see them have aha moments and that's super satisfying. Well, and I'll break it. I'm breaking that out into two communications, both internal and external stakeholder management, the coordination of efforts and understanding where that value resides and who your allies are, uh, how to marshal those resources. And I love that story from your high school days of the path, uh, the path you thought you might go down, which is teaching and how you've incorporated that passion or desire to take hard or complex topics and break them down into something uncomplicated, which still gets people excited about and clear around the process. So as you point out, number one, the sub bullets are stakeholder management and clarity around simplification of a process. Would you add anything else from a core? I mean, I mentioned in the outset at the top, financial engineering, what sort of hard skills, where I think communication can be perhaps defined as a soft skill, what sort of hard skills have been uh, consequential to your growth plan? I'm not sure how hard or soft this one is, but I think something that connects to that and is equally important is being analytical about mm. what you're trying to do, again, internally and externally. But really that analytical translates into translating this topic into the language that your counterpart Mm -hmm. understands. And I'm not just talking literally, but in terms of KPIs, right? Mm -hmm. And there we get the numbers to come back into this. You know, if you're talking to someone in energy procurement, who's responsible for three countries in Europe, 
you're going to be talking to them in a different way because they need to resonate with what you're saying. It needs to make sense for them. There needs to be a value in it for them personally and for their business. And that requires you to say, okay, I have all these concepts in my head from doing this all the time, but I need to condense all of that down into my core messages, which resonate with this person based on my understanding of their needs and requirements. So I think that to me is just sort of like logical, mathematical, financial engineering sort of space. And the same goes for other things within our team when we're growing our business when we're developing new services and new product lines is where is there a gap in what we currently do and what we know we can do, but we maybe just have to reallocate resources based on what we hear in the market companies have a need for and marrying those two things together with the right people and the right messaging and the right content to support that. um, I think that's something which I see in a sort of visual way when I think about it. It like sort of, it condenses into different things that I see I need to connect in order to get that across. So I think that's maybe where that side of things comes into it more. So the the three things that I would call from what I heard from you are clear communication skills that help manage the internal and external stakeholder expectations using analysis and clear data, which is comes from logic and math, understanding how to use tools like Excel. Even beyond that, there's a fundamental skill around strategic planning that allows you to conceptualize who needs what along the path of the sale. There's something else that you and I have talked about as we get into your job at Schneider in the sustainability business, which itself is a mega services division for Schneider. So set the stage for why uh, Schneider saw a lot of value in your skill set through the lens of the work that you did at Green Genius. So, I mean, take a step back. What I was doing at Green Genius was developing a new direction for a business which had already built a small, moderate track record in a specific region. So what Green Genius did and does is is solar as a service or on-site PV, PPAs or leases, whatever you want to call it, basically financing a PV project and then making the client not have to come up with the CapEx themselves, but paying in rates, essentially, right? And this And this was relatively uncommon at the time that you started thinking about it? Right. Yeah. At the time we were doing market research and there was not a company in Europe marketing this aggressively, maybe doing it behind the scenes, but not rolling it out at scale, which we felt it needed to be. And obviously, you know better than I do that in the US, this has been happening for years and it's not a new thing. It's almost unbelievable that in 2018, it wasn't being marketed highly in in Europe or other regions. Right. Yeah. And we thought we were like, this is a breakthrough. This is enablement of sustainability at scale in in Europe, because there is enough of a business case to come back to that, that a a third party, a business says, okay, I'm happy to invest my money in this and have a slow but moderate return. And in exchange, the masses have access to renewable energy on site. Um, And that could be to C as well as B2B. So yeah, within that, I was responsible for the B2B arm and for growing it into Western Europe. So Green Genius was um, headquartered in Vilnius in Lithuania and had their track record with a number of um, uh, well-known companies, but in that sort of Baltic 
region and we were branching out into Western Europe. So, you know, I, I'm a mixture of different things, um, which you could classify as Western European and uh, was like sort of off we go, let's do it. Um, and let's spread this out um, across the European market. So, you know, and then the, also the vibe at Green Genius was like, we can do this. It was sort of a, a well-funded startup uh, within a kind of bigger energy utility that could make this happen. But if you're approaching multinationals with this solution, there's fundamentally different stakeholders that you have to connect to within that business to convince them of this. It's not just a single person who makes the call and says, okay, my car factory is now going to have a PV plant on its roof. It's going to have to have a lot more approvals than just a single person. So you do have to connect with and again, go through that translation exercise with a number of different stakeholders across the business from the plant manager to the local engineers, to the corporate sustainability people in the headquarters somewhere um, to marketing and, and so on. Well, you talked me through a typical, as you do a lot of biz dev kind of tip of spear, reaching out to entities that you all have identified. I believe you probably are. And, and this may be helpful and revelational for some folks, uh, the way that sales teams bifurcate into verticals, right? So I'd love for you to talk a bit about, by way of getting into this conversation, where you at Schneider sit within that business unit in terms of if there are, if it's, if it's vertical focused and how, when you reach out to a company, there is a misunderstood process that leads to, I think for some, an illogical conclusion around standardization. So within a sales organization, it's quite typical to have either regional focused teams or industry focused teams on paper. In practice, those things constantly clash because you'll have someone who's responsible for the automotive sector, but he's talking to a company which is headquartered in London where another sales colleague happens to live. So there you have to find an agreement and see what makes most sense for the client to have as their counterpart, as opposed to, no, this is my industry or no, this is my region, right? So yeah, we have a bit of a mixture there as well within our team that we have that sort of classical organization by uh, industry verticals, uh, you know, probably find this anywhere online, the different kind of categories that you can have for industries. Yeah. And then pharmaceuticals as a category. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and so different sales managers have different responsibilities uh, within those sectors. And you usually have a couple different ones. Um, and, you know, I'd say that the key advantages of that approach or what I like about that approach are you can become an expert at that sub language to keep coming back to that topic of what is going on in that sector right now. What do they care about? They may not care about and they well, they certainly don't care about the same things that the packaging sector cares about in the automotive supply chain. Some of those things may overlap, but others will be highly specific, right? So having that approach of sectors means you come into a call and you're talking to their head of sustainability and their head of procurement, and you're not like a total alien to the conversation. You know what's yeah. going on. You know you what they're the facing. Pain points. You know the pain points, exactly. They're facing yeah. unique challenges that other sectors aren't. Having said that, the cultural element, especially in Europe, where you have so many different countries and so many different languages on such a small area, uh, is also relevant. So sometimes we may say, okay, I speak German, I live in Frankfurt in Germany, maybe I can resonate or click better with local stakeholders here because of that. 
Maybe not. It depends a bit on a, on a company basis. So we're often working with multinationals, which even if they do have a presence and a headquarters here, uh, they are international enough that it doesn't make so much of a difference to them whether they're talking to me or someone who's based in the UK. And it may be more valuable for them to speak to someone who understands their vertical than to have someone who happens to speak German. So there isn't like a hard and fast rules that we obey at all costs, but there's sort of a general organization by, uh, by sectors here. Now, I think in my previous role, it was totally regional. It was, okay, I do Western Europe. And then we have another team which did Poland and another team that did the Baltics. Uh, the role before that at Scheuch Industries was a mixture, kind of focusing more on regional and then also having that key account approach. If you're more focused on this is my account, I just need to sell them everything that our business happens to do. That's another spin on the whole thing, right? So a mixture there. And then the department I sit in within the sustainability business is uh, sometimes called clean tech, which is totally focused on renewable electricity, but the sustainability business as a whole, they do the whole end-to-end -end journey with our clients. So they never need to go and piece together a puzzle of different support mechanisms. They can say, look, if I go to Schneider Electric and I have no plan of what I need to do, they may need to say, okay, what are my competitors doing? All right, I've got a benchmark. Okay, what is it gonna cost me to reach this target by 2025? We can do it. Okay, you've got the target. How am I going to get there? Do all of that strategic road mapping and, and so on. And it serves as like a consultancy within Schneider for these large cl clients. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. And I think okay. the, the, the unique perspective that is always relevant here is that Schneider Electric as a whole is also a business which manufactures things, operates across the globe and understands all of the same pain points as our clients do. So when we're talking about a strategy, we're not making PowerPoints in total silo. We know this is really hard thing for a global manufacturing business to do, but here's the relevant steps that you can take and here's the different things that you can combine in order to get to where you want to get to. Have you been curious about utility scale storage? SunGrow's revolutionary liquid cooled solution is revolutionizing the storage landscape. It's built-in DC to DC coupling combined with other features like higher energy density and 3% slower battery degradation make it a robust solution that companies nationwide are choosing. You can learn more about this innovative solution by SunGrow by visiting mysuncast.com forward slash SunGrow. What do you find are some of the trade-offs inherent in the process of engaging an organization, whether they've reached out to you because someone internally decided we need to really think about this, it's 2022, let's focus on sustainability, or you all are reaching out to them because they are already clients of one or more products and you're trying to help educate them on how to be more focused around clean, green kilowatt hours. What, what are some of the things that you find stymie that process, that, as I heard you say to me before, that make it super underestimated the both the length and complexity of navigating a, a third-party power purchase agreement for most of these companies. Companies. Yeah. So, I mean, one of the things that we've seen is with the rise in announcements of companies signing corporate PPAs is that there is a lot of buzz in the market uh, around the whole topic. So companies want to sign PPAs, companies want to sell PPAs, and companies want to sell consulting services about PPAs. 
and that's happening everywhere. Um, so uh, something that we see underestimated time and time again is the amount of support that a corporation will need to actually sign one of these deals. Sometimes it gets sort of commoditized down into, okay, hey, you guys in procurement, you sign electricity contracts all the time, go out and sign a PPA. And that'll appear in their KPIs. Great. But a corporate PPA fundamentally is much more complex and challenging than buying a traditional tranche of electricity. The reasons for that being that where an electricity contract maybe does sit within energy procurement, fundamentally, mainly within there, a corporate power purchase agreement has the potential, especially as you start to talk about synthetic and virtual PPAs, which of course allow you to aggregate a lot of volume into a single contract and therefore make a much bigger difference uh, by having a larger project be supported, is that it'll hit the treasury department, it'll hit the finance department, it'll hit the accounting um, department, the sustainability colleagues will be much more involved Having a procurement person in silo try to navigate all those stakeholders and translate what is this actually going to do to your KPIs, my colleague in Treasury, they're going to find that to be very time intensive. And in a market which is so dynamic as the electricity market and the corporate PPA market, time intensive means you risk losing the best projects because you may get a bid for a fantastic project. And whether you get that because a developer offered it to you or uh, it's being talked about in, in the market, uh, it doesn't really matter because if you can't pull the trigger on that deal, it's gone. There's so many other players out there in the market. So you have to be ready for when the time comes, all your stakeholders internally have to be lined up and understand, okay, if we get this kind of an offer, we know what it means in our KPIs, and we've already signed off on a certain range of different parameters. And so bid comes in, great. And then you can go into the C-suite and say, everyone signed off on this. We need the big signature now and get the deal done. Along that line, for those who might be listening to this, not thinking about being a sales manager, but because they identify that you are working at Schneider and might have insight into the whole process as you do, how do you get ready in that sense of the way you just framed it? What is being ready look like? Are there a handful of telltale signs that a corporate client is, quote, ready to engage in clean energy procurement? Yeah, I think clean energy procurement in general can be very sector specific. So as all your competitors start doing it, and when I say you're, I mean, you are a tire manufacturer, then you're starting to face a whole different world of pressure than if no one in your sector is doing this right now. So go back five years, a sector may have not done anything. It's going to be really hard, no matter how good of a salesperson you are, to go to them and say, hey, you should sign a PPA or you should even buy any kind of renewable electricity. You're going to struggle because they're focused on price and quality and not sustainability yet. These days, the automotive sector, total shift the OEMs down into their supply chain are all saying, everything you sell to me must be produced with renewable electricity. That has brought a whole different dynamic to the whole space. So chances are, if you're going to a supplier, a tier one supplier for sure in the automotive sector, they already know they need to buy renewables by 2025. So that's a telltale sign for anyone that's in this space. If the company that you want to approach sits in that category, they need you. They need you to call them, right? And the other thing beyond that is sort of the standard 
approaches that you can take in the market to say, okay, do these companies, no matter which sector they sit in, have they announced some kind of target? That's always the first telltale sign is it's not companies saying, I'm doing nothing and I'm suddenly 100% renewable. They're saying, I'd like to, in 2030, be 100% renewable. And then you've got, you've got some kind of a, a parameter. That gets a lot of criticism out there. I mean, you must hear about that a lot as well. Far away targets, what do they really mean? However, once those things are public, both within that organization and for everyone else, it sets a sign to say, I'm ready or I'm starting to get ready. I know I need to hit this target by then because otherwise it's... And those are external signs, I get. What about when you get inside and you're talking to the stakeholders? What things are you looking for that say, okay, they've made these external commitments, they, their sector is doing it, and they've done X, Y, Z internally that tell me that we can actually have a material conversation that's not going to take me a year? So one of the things, again, coming back to that multi-stakeholder approach, is if you're talking to someone within one of those departments, which is likely, if it's your first conversation, it's going to be sustainability or energy procurement and they haven't had those conversations internally, then that's kind of a sign of like, you know, maybe have you had those conversations? Why don't we have that conversation together? Something like that. That dialogue needs to happen because something we say a lot is a corporate PPA can be the trigger that a company for the very first time goes down the route of having all these stakeholders at the same table. Before this project, they may have never met before in their life. They're usually sitting in different places in the world. They're focused on their own topics. To come, get them all to come together on this journey, I'm all about Lord of the Rings references. It's that fellowship at the beginning. Everyone needs to yeah. sit down and say, okay, what are we trying to achieve? What does it mean for me? And whether we're there to guide that dialogue or they have that dialogue and then we come in is crucial. That needs to happen. I love that. Has there been an internal fellowship of decision makers to ascertain what this means for the organization and their goals? Hmm. Yeah. That's very cool. And it's something that you may not be able to ascertain from the outside looking in until you are able to break through to the sustainability or procurement manager and have uh, a useful conversation. Along that line, what are, because you're, as I said, tip of spear, what are some of the things you've seen that are necessary and or maybe a step beyond that are activities you've engaged in or sales managers should be engaging in to build and educate a market in anticipation that these suppliers eventually are going to be getting into the game of procuring solar? Yeah. I mean, I think a crucial thing sort of connecting back to what you were saying about LinkedIn is you need to get out there. You need to speak to people. You need to share what you know about the market and start to give them that education they need to recognize I need more of that, or I just want more of that. I want to understand more of that. So you need to get in front of people. You need to network. You need to use the resources that you have. And we have great resources these days with the internet and all the social media that comes with it to do exactly that. I mean, we've seen this over the last couple of years, right? The in-person events is a challenge. So you need to pivot and say, okay, maybe I need to get in front of people in a different way. Maybe it's video content. Maybe it's the podcasts. Maybe it's just uh, publishing thought leadership in some way to trigger that. But what we often see is we're not trying to sell when we're doing that. I mean, it must be the same for you. You're just trying to let people know that there is this thing out there 
And it's really interesting. And you should check out more of that, right? We're not out there like, hey, call me. I've got this great deal. We're just saying, this is how on-site PV works. You know, I may publish something on LinkedIn saying, look, here's five basic steps that'll give you a good idea for how to get started, whether it's your own home or a factory. Um, and people love it, you know, uh, and there's no sell in that. It also demonstrates credibility when you reach out to someone and they can, in the comfort of their office or home, without engaging with you, they can become comfortable with you as a credible resource. And you do a great job, which is, this is the reason we're on this call uh, is because we met through the community of LinkedIn and we're mutual admirers and, and sharers of each other's resources and material. And I have watched how you have created a body of work that is uh, selflessly giving to the customers you hope to attract. And I think that far too often sales folks forget that execution is all that matters. And if you can demonstrate a track record publicly uh, and your closest competent competitor cannot, then you're mo more likely to get the callback. Absolutely. And I think what's really crucial in this whole space and relates to this is you can't rush into these things. Signing a corporate PPA can be a couple hundred million euro contract. You don't sign that overnight, right? It's a long process. So we see, even with our support, being the number one corporate PPA advisor in the world, it takes a long time from the moment they say, okay, Schneider, help me because I know you're great at this, until they actually sign a PPA. It could be years. It could be months for sure. It's like 15 months, 18 months, something like that of continuous education. It's not something you sign overnight. And, and I think that's a key takeaway I would give both the buyer side, but generally the market is that it's not something you can rush into. No matter what different players out there are saying, that this can be standardized or commoditized, or that this is like going on Amazon and buying a pair of shoes, it's not. And it, it does require you to take all of that due diligence very, very seriously because the cost of getting it wrong uh, is tremendous. One percentage point difference in the way that you negotiate a PPA is millions of euros. So um, yeah, and I think that applies in terms of being a salesperson in this space, coming back to the teaching thing, I think what makes me really passionate about it is that I don't have to be that car salesman, you know, I'm, I, I need to build a relationship and trust and help people. And if that help gets them to do a renewable project, that's what I get a kick out of. I love it. And you do it so well. A couple of sort of drill down questions on your specialty. Did you choose your subcategory or was it something that was offered to you as an option? Kind of how, how did that happen? So kind of by coincidence at the beginning, in a sense that I came into a team which is already established and there was a number of sectors which were open and needed someone to address them. Within that, then I spent a year and a half, two years, something like that, focusing very heavily on the ones which were strategically most important to me. And I've become over that time much more of a specialist in those and therefore I'm able to lead those conversations. So now as our team grows and we're hiring on all fronts, we need a lot more salespeople. The amount of sectors that each uh, salesperson will have will obviously get less as the team expands, but the expertise that you have in that individual space grows. Any advice for folks who find themselves right now in that situation where they need to decide where 
and whoever you are, by the way, you always have to decide. You have to narrow, not expand your focus. Any advice for folks on how to narrow a focus and pick a vertical? Uh, what to you know? What were some of the key criteria for you of that made it easier? And then, I guess, a follow-on question to that is: How locked in are you when you make those decisions? Yeah, great question. I think what works for me is that you're passionate about the space that those people operate in within your sector. So if you love cars, automotive is an obvious choice. However, if you're just a sort of a techie or maybe an engineer as a background, then anything which kind of has to do with manufacturing in general will be super interesting for you. And you want to learn about that space and you want to apply what you know and share it within that sector, right? So vice versa, if the sector that you're looking into is not you know, the thing that you're really interested and passionate about, it may not be as fun. Uh, it may be. Um, but for me, I think the fact that I'm interested in what the people that I'm talking to do and what their bread and butter is, uh, it, it builds that genuine relationship. Yeah. And in the sense of as a salesperson building an avatar, you want to be able to know the procurement manager's desires and, and pastimes because in, in some and in many ways, you share them and you can, you can understand and appreciate that they go to this perhaps regional trade show on a piece of the business that only you would know about if you've looked deeply into how their business functions and what drives their decision criteria. And you're willing to go to that regional trade show of 200 people, uh, not just to get business, but because you also want to learn and become educated yourself. Those for me were things that when I was selecting uh, specific verticals, I I keyed in on, to your point, you want to be able to think about it, not on a six or a 12 month arc, but perhaps a three to five year arc. And to my final, to my sort of final question on that point, are you locked in? The thing that I would love to hear your thoughts on that I've identified is folks who think about, who don't make decisions because they don't want to get locked in, miss the point that once you are a specialist in a, a vertical, the skills you learn on how to become an expert on that vertical are portable, not just to other verticals, but to other industries. Absolutely. I would resonate totally with that. And, and I think the sort of the myth methodology and that analytical strategic mindset that you would apply to your sector, I get a kick out of learning the language of that sector, even if it would change um, in the future, you know, it's a learning process, but everyone, I mean, maybe not, I love to learn. So um, it works. And, you know, I, it's not locked in. I mean, I've, I'm handing over now to my colleagues who've just joined the team. I'm handing them over accounts and opportunities and, and conversations that I've built a relationship with. And I'm really happy for them to pick those up and say, look, here's the guy. He works in procurement in this company. Uh, he's awesome. You should get on the phone with him and have a conversation and, and build your own relationship. And it's going to be fine. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a constantly and it's a dynamic moving space. And that comes back to perhaps a core, I think, strength of really, really good salespeople is you have to be a giver. You have to be willing even to give up some of the accounts that you've created to move on to bigger opportunity. And that comes from an abundance mindset, which I see in abundance in you, my friend, Miguel. I love that without me needing to prompt you slipped in there that the Schneider uh, Sustainability Division is the largest PPA consultancy in the world. 
uh, as a as a parting gift to the community, can you share a little bit more statistics around sort of and maybe even I think it's public as a publicly traded company, like the revenue or or rough numbers around which you guys operate as you talk to clients about why they should work with you and then let folks know how they can reach out and chat with you if they'd like to do so. So I think at the moment, the public facing data, which is always out of date, of course, we've just crossed <laughs> uh, 11,000 megawatts of corporate PPA capacity that has been signed via our end to end advisory process. So from the very beginnings, like I talked to you about until PPA signature, the projects then get built and then we help our clients manage the, the cash flows that inevitably come with that transaction. So yeah, tremendous, tremendous track record um, in the world. And that's across every key region where PPAs are. I was just on a call yesterday. I probably can't say the number out loud with our the head of our India business. And he dropped numbers of this is what we've done in the last year in India. Unbelievable. Um, so it's an absolute pleasure and honor to work with all these experts that have been doing this for years and years and since the very advent of corporate PPA uh, markets opening up in the US uh, and then developing and building the team in Europe, uh, in Brazil, in Mexico, in Australia, in Asia Pacific, that all are growing and are there and ready for our clients when the market opens up. Um, so yeah, it's, it's tremendous. And it's worth noting to the point at the top of the show where we talked about working on an international team, you are a part of what was formerly known as Renewable Choice, which got acquired by Schneider and is basically the business unit that now sits at sort of manages the whole sustainability business that you just described. And uh, your boss, I think, is in Boulder. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he's uh, he's actually is a UK and uh, Australian national, I believe. But he sits in, in Boulder where a lot of that team that that joined Schneider Electric in the acquisition uh, of Renewable Choice, um, they still uh, sit. So yeah, I have uh, him as a direct manager and then my colleagues, my direct colleagues, they're spread all across Europe and I don't know how many different countries uh, with their boots physically on the ground in those markets because we've seen that that's super crucial. Well, I think that uh, I speak for many listening. I was pleasantly surprised to hear how uh, how massive the sustainability business is inside of Schneider. Not something that I anticipated to hear. The, the number one uh, PPA consultancy in the world. I think it'll take many by surprise to hear that statistic if they aren't following exactly how this industry is unfolding. Miguel Gilmast is the sales manager in that sustainable sustainability business unit. Has been for uh, the better part of two and a half years. And it has been an absolute joy to dig into the process of, of embodying that role. Thanks for sharing insights with us about not just what the customer needs to know, but also what aspiring uh, professionals would want to know if they would like to take on a role similar to yours in the clean energy transition. Absolutely. Yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure. And it is my personal passion also to send the elevator down, not very far yeah. from where I am, but um, anyone that wants to hear any more about how to get into the space, how to get into sales, where maybe you're a technical background, more about PPAs and whether or not you want to work on it, hit me up on LinkedIn um, and I'll be happy to start a conversation. Yeah, I'll note that he's very, very accessible on LinkedIn. And if you follow the hashtag that we have talked about many times here, hashtag clean energy revolution, uh, I'll give Miguel credit for creating that hashtag and coming up with the idea that many of us in the community should be using it 
to follow along on each other's journey. So I'll ask Cooks to follow you and to follow that hashtag as we sign off. Miguel, thanks for taking the time to join us here on Suncast. Absolutely. Pleasure to be here. All right. Well, that is a wrap on today's practical insights into this Solar Warriors career profile. So what did you learn? Do you like these vignettes on folks like Miguel who are on the front lines? I haven't done these types of real deep dive career profiles. So if that was entertaining for you, I would recommend that you check back in our catalog in May for Isha Reggae of New Energy Equity. That was a great career profile as well. And the first of these, and I'd love to know what you think about this format. If you think I should keep these coming. You know, I've been in this game for a long time and I still learned a ton from you, Miguel. So I want to thank you for taking the time to stop by and share from your deep well of knowledge, my friend. And hey, I know that Miguel would love to hear back from you as well, if it inspired you. So I'd love to ask you to go drop us a comment and engage with our posts on LinkedIn, as you can sure bet we'll both be over there sharing. We'll be right back here on Thursday with another long-form industry executive profile. But if you're eager to keep learning right this minute, well, you, my fellow Philomath, can find the resources and highlights from this and every other discussion, along with the social media links for our guests and book recommendations and so much more at mysuncast.com. But perhaps, you know, the single kindest thing that you could do for me right now is to just leave us an enthusiastic five-star review and rating over on Apple or wherever you get your podcast as it helps so much for others to filter out the noise and find value in shows like Suncast, just like you have. So I want to thank you for that ahead of time. You can go to ratethispodcast.com forward slash Suncast. It takes less than three minutes and it'll point you to whichever platform you use among the more important ones, at least like Apple and Spotify. That's ratethispodcast.com forward slash suncast. It should be right there in the description notes in your podcast player as well. I hope that we got that right. Thanks finally to our sponsors who help make this content free to you each and every week. You can learn more about them as well as how you could partner with us here on Suncast and share your message with the tribe. Go to mysuncast.com forward slash sponsor. Remember, you are what you listen to. Thanks again for showing up, Solar Warrior. It's half the battle.